Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. If you go back and look at the story of Copa Casino and what Hurricane Katrina did to that casino and the challenges that it created for its owners, Rick uh, Carter and Terry Green, you, it's a fascinating story. And it's probably one of the most viewed videos I've done since I talked to Rick Carter and Terry Green in the first week of, of uh, Coast View about two years ago. But what it did is it unlocked some incredible opportunities for them. They they, they made a risky move at the time. It was a very risky move, actually, to buy the, the Harris Gulf Point. And uh, they ultimately turned that into uh, a significant development in Island View. Ultimately, as we now know, we have uh, the Beachview Casino as well. Um, along that journey, which uh, if you want to look it up, you just do a, a search of Rick Carter and Terry Green Coast View and pull that up and watch that fascinating conversation. Uh, Rick and Terry in the early 1990s were actually credited with getting us to this point of dockside gaming that, of course, became land-based gaming after Hurricane Katrina. But, uh, but you know, Rick and, Rick and Terry have made hundreds of millions of dollars worth of investment in coastal Mississippi, and because of their their incredible drive to entrepreneurship and their willingness to take on incredible risk, early, especially early in the game, uh, they have they have found a lot of success in their lives. I always enjoy talking to entrepreneurs because when you get behind the man and really be, begin to understand, you know, what are their passions, you usually find out that there are more passions than just the main one. In the case of uh, Terry Green, he had been in the real estate development business in uh, Houston for like over 30 years. Uh, he built a ranch there called uh, Black, uh, Jackpot Ranch, and he got into the business of cutting horses. Now, if you don't know the term, if you watch the Yellowstone, Yellowstone TV series, then you'll know the term. That's the horses that you see on that series all the time, very prominently on that show Yellowstone. Someone actually wrote about cutting horses once that they're pricey, both on the show and in real life. <laughs> so it's a, it can be a good great business and uh, and Terry certainly certainly made, made a passion out of it. He was actually a writer for over 15 years. He rode a cutting horse for over 15 years. Um, but uh, eventually, Terry through some partnerships and some friends that he got to know along the way, he ended up getting into the thoroughbred breeding and racing business. It's a very, very cool story with a very significant like business component to it as well. I'm so pleased to have for the first two segments of Coast View today, my friend Terry Green, and we're going to talk about his horse journey along the way. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Rick. Good to see you. It's good to see you, too. So where are you right now? I am in Lexington, Kentucky at my farm um, in Lexington called Jackpot Farm. Well, that's, that's, that's so, you, so you've got the, are you still doing cutting horses in, in Texas? Uh, I still have some cutting horses, but I'm not at the level that I used to be. I, I really don't ride them anymore, but I have a trainer named Bo Gallion that I have. Um, I had a really great mare at one time, and we have some babies out of her, and um, he's still showing and everything. As a matter of fact, we won the Super Stakes a few months ago on one of my horses, but I'm not into it in the level that I am into the um, racing end of it. 
You know, what's interesting about studying your story, Terry, you and I ch chatted about it briefly, but then I went and did some research. And when you consider the short amount of time that you've been in this business, you've had tremendous success already. I want to I start with a photo, and then we're going to turn around and go back in the other direction and kind of rebuild this, this journey. But uh, Cal's having a technical problem this morning. So what I'm showing, Terry, is a photo of Terry congratulating a jockey on top of a horse in a winner's circle. And uh, the name of that horse was Basin. Uh, what, what's, what's significant about that photo, Terry? Well, what's so significant about it is that was, um, that was a two-year-old race that is the biggest race of the year. It's held in Saratoga every year. And um, we bought that horse at the yearling sale in, um, in, at Kingland. And that horse turned in um, to be the winner of the hopeful, which is a grade one. So people that probably don't follow the sport and everything. Grade one is the top level of all the horses in the country at that age. So at a two-year-old, we had one of the top uh, race horses in the country. Well, that was, a, that was a hell of a start, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It kind of put a, uh, my name and our farm and um, all our employees kind of put us on the map up here. And so uh, you then began to pursue it. What's interesting, going back to the cutting horse story, which really was a great predicate to what you're doing now, it would be very difficult to just go into the thoroughbred business without the experience that you had. That's maybe one of the reasons, actually, that you had so much success early. But going back to the cutting horse deal, I, I didn't know that. I knew that you were in the business. I didn't know that you enjoyed riding and that you, that's sort of what introduced this passion to you. Yes, it sure was. Matter of fact, um, about 20 years ago, I went to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, and a friend of mine said, hey, let's go over and watch the cutting horses. And this was way before Yellowstone and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I was like, well, what's a cutting horses? You know, so I went over there. And I, as a kid, I always just loved horses. My grandfather had horses. I used to go out there as a kid in the Keel, Mississippi, and ride a lot. And I just always loved horses, and I'd been away from them for a long time. So once I went to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, when I saw it, I thought to myself, man, I'd love to try this. Of course, you know, I ended up trying it. And then the next thing I know, I built a, um, built a ranch in Weatherford, Texas. And next thing I know, I have about 30 cutting horses. And we're going all over the country showing cutting horses. And I loved it. We did it for 15 years. And um, it was just a blast. I'm not familiar with the cutting horse part of it, but uh, I have a cousin. Unfortunately, he recently died from from Alabama. He was in the breeding business with cattle, and I mean, I'm talking about serious bull breeding business, really, really expensive business. And what I, I and he'd been in it for 25, 30 years. I mean, he he loved it, and you know what he had learned about artificial insemination and genetic codes and how he how he tracked all of that and. You know, how he determined which bulls were going to be, you know, the most successful. You know the deal. Right. Did you ever in your wildest imagination think that you would become that kind of expert too? No, not really. You know, when you first get in from just riding a horse is one thing. But when you actually get into the breeding end of it and everything, it's it's a whole other science. And every, every year it gets more technical and technical and more sophisticated. And the things they can do now, it's just it's mind blowing. It's, you know, 20 years ago, you would have told me they're doing some of this genetic work and things of this nature. And nobody would have believed it. So as I mentioned, it's a great predicate, actually. The cutting horse experience that you had was a really good predicate to moving forward with, you know, building out uh, a farm or a ranch in, in Kentucky and, and literally getting into the business full bore. You sort of already knew the language. You already knew, what, you know, what was necessary, what the, you know, care and feeding of a horse, so to speak. And uh 
it, it really kind of helped you uh, shorten the, the, the learning curve in a way, didn't it? Yeah, it's like every other business. I mean, you know, just, you know, probably when you got in the publishing business, you know, you're, you're very narrow to what you know. But every day you learn more and more in the, and you're around people that understand it. And, um, yes, it, it, it's a stepping stone business just like anything else, just like we got in the casino business. You know, we started with a little ship that went offshore, you know, which I, I don't know. I think we had maybe 75 slot machines and five table games, you know. Nowadays, you know, we run – 3,000 slot machines, 1,000 hotel rooms. So it, it's a it's a gradual deal that, you know, you wake up every day and you set yourself a goal and you do that goal. The next day you do the same thing. Before you know it, you look back on it and, you know, you're in you're in the business big time. <laughs> so, okay, so you started building out your ranch in Kentucky and really getting into the business in a big way in 2018. It's, it's 2022. Um as you look back, one of the things I mentioned, and I want to talk about your horse Gupport, but what we're going to do is we're going to save that part of it for the second half, of, you know, the next the next segment. When you heard the way I sort of introduced you, that um, your passion sort of becomes a business. When we're talking about thoroughbred breeding, it is a significant business, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's you know, and even when I got into it in the beginning, I just did not realize how serious it is. I mean, it's. It's become a major business. I mean, you can come up here in Lexington and um, every everybody, I mean, it's a town of about 200,000 people, but I'd say 85% of the people are tied to the horse business. And it's an economic driver up here. Without the without the farms and the horse business up here, you probably pretty much wouldn't have a Lexington, Kentucky. I mean, that's just, that's their forte and that's what they do. And the grass is some of the best grass in the world up here. And that's why people come from all over the world to buy these coats every year when we sell them and um it's it's a fascinating business um it's always ongoing i mean you know people come in people go out some people stay a year some people stay a lifetime so it's a very interesting business you meet a lot of great people i mean the people up here is so much like the mississippi gulf coast you know every time um somebody goes to the gulf coast that i know from somewhere else in the country they'll call me and say hey can i get a room i'll get them a room First call I get back, it says, my God, I can't believe how friendly the people are down there. And it's just, it's not at our casino. It's all up and down that Mississippi Gulf Coast. It's just a place. There's, there's no, there is no doubt about that. I don't know if you realize this, but the Sun Herald was part of Knight Ritter, you know, the, the big newspaper chain. The Lexington Herald Leader was part of that chain. And so I spent some time in Lexington along the way, and I worked with a number of different people, including the former pres, uh, president publisher there, and the IT director was on one of the, my strategic planning teams, and others that that worked there. They loved Lexington. And one of the stories I remember, my friend Mel, he was the IT guy, would tell me. He had a sailboat on a lake somewhere in the Lexington area, and every year it would it would uh, shut down and uh, and become a real problem uh, because it would get frozen in. <laughs> it was a cold time of the year. So, so uh, Kyle, you're giving me a, a word to the end of the segment. Okay, well, we're, when we get back on the other side, we're going to talk about the special horse, Gulfport. We'll see you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coastview. We're having a conversation with my old friend Terry Green, who's co-owner of the Island View Casino and Beachview Casino. And his passion for many, many, many years has been horses. And and more recently, starting around 2018, he got really interested in thoroughbred racing and horse uh, and and breeding. As a, he has a ranch in Kentucky, we were just talking about. I had friends in Lexington, the Lexington area. What a beautiful part of the country. Uh, but it can be cold in the wintertime, that is for sure. But uh, Terry's in Kentucky now as we speak. And something really is por- important is about to happen coming up this weekend. Let's talk about that, Terry. And then we'll take a bit of a, of a step back and talk about the significance of your horse and a little bit of the story about the Guffmore. So t- tell me about what's going on this weekend. Well, this weekend in um, Saratoga, New York, there's um, the biggest two-year-old race of the year. It's called the Hopeful, and it's run um, every year. It's been run for over 100 years. So, um, And I have a horse that I named Guffport that um, has qualified for that race, and we'll be racing um, on um, Monday, Labor Day, about round 530 in the Hopeful in New York. Wow, that's a congratulations on that. Thank to you. qualify for the Hopeful, that has been a journey in and of itself, hasn't it? Yes, it sure has, because um, basically every year there's roughly about 30,000 um, yearlings that are born. And that is um, when they're at the age of two years old, that's the time that they can race in that. So you have to have a horse that is at the top. I mean, the best horses in the country we'll be racing against um, and we'll be there. So we've had to win some significant races in order to get there. And um, we did that and he did it very handily. He, he um, has done excellent. I mean, the um, races that he's won has been by big margins and everything. So we're really excited. Uh, this is the first step, you know, in order to get to the Kentucky Derby, which is our ultimate goal. But for the two-year-old, this is one of the biggest races in, of the year, and that's why we're so excited about it. When did it occur to you that Guffport was going to be a very special horse? First race. <laughs> well, the first, after his first race, um, we ran him. We ran him at um, and, um, Churchill was his first race, and he won by, I think it was somewhere around eight lengths, so, and the time was unbelievable. I mean, he was just a fraction off the track record, which had been run, this race had been run over 120 years, so um, after that first race, our phone started ringing, people calling, wanting to know, hey, is the breeding rights for sale, which is a big deal up here in um, Kentucky, so, and then he's gone on from there, and that's where we we're at today. So you sit, do you, when you're doing training of a horse like that, and when the horse is maybe let's start when the f- horse is first born and it's coming along and it's making progress, and now you're starting to train them. Do you look at it and say, is it hard to differentiate because they're all at at a at a cutting edge level to begin with? But it, it, do you sense that something special about it? Yeah, there's certain people, um, Rick. I have, um, you know. I know a lot about the horse business, but I don't know all about the horse business. So I do like I do in the casino business. I hire people that are very knowledgeable, that's been in it their whole life. So I have um, several different consultants that I do use. So when we go look for a horse, there's, I mean, it takes me two hours to tell you everything, what we look for. But yes, there is a lot of difference in them. But the biggest problem in trying to buy a horse is you don't know how big that heart is, you know, and that, <laughs> that's what makes a great racehorse. I mean, you have to have the talent, but you have to have the mindset and you have to have the heart. And, you know, these horses, they don't know what you pay for them. I mean, when you go to the yearling sale and you're trying to buy these horses, I've seen them go through the sale at, you know, 
five thousand bucks, and then <laughs> another horse will come behind it that's that's different breeding that's supposed to be a special horse. They'll go for a million dollars. So you never know. And you hear these success stories where some people pay fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for a horse. They ran the Kentucky Derby. And that's what's so exciting about this business is that you never know about that horse. I mean, he might look the part or he might not look the part. You never know. Yeah, it, what's, what's really interesting is that you have a situation where you got a horse that seems to have all the right criteria. You got a great jockey. You got great training. You're you're doing all the nutritional stuff the way you're supposed to do it. You, you got everything working right. But it's interesting the way you talked about heart. How important is heart? I mean, is that just something that's v- genetic to that to that heart horse that says, "Boy, this guy is special." Yeah, it's just like any any professional athlete. You know, I mean, how come some are better than others? I mean, it's just I relate. I relate my horse racing operation to like owning a pro football team or pro baseball team or whatever. I mean, from the very beginning, we have to we have to breed the horse. We have to decide, you know, which is the best sire for this mare. And there's all kind of computer um, analysis that you can input. There's a lot to it. So once you get that horse, then you have to, you know, you have to get that mare to where she has that baby. Then that baby has to come out and be a healthy baby. So then you get to that point. Then you have to just, you know, you have your guys at the farm, your farm manager, your farm staff that has to raise that horse till he gets to the racing age. Then once he gets to the racing age, you have to pick the right trainer in the organization. So it's like almost being a coach of a pro football team. It's, you know, we have our own, we have our own system. We have our own things we look for in horses. At that point, then, you know, you have to go to the track. You have to decide what races you want to go in and, and how you want to get to that Kentucky Derby. So there's a lot that goes into it, but it's very exciting. But that's something that nobody really knows about is that hard. I mean, it's, you know, they even say they try to measure them and stuff like that. But you never know. It's just like an individual, um, that somebody passionate about a business, somebody passionate about golf or, you know, whatever they do. You know, deep down inside, you just don't know what's in there. <laughs> That's so interesting. Well, Gulfport has gotten a lot of attention. It's created tremendous business opportunities for you now. Uh, uh, again, just a, two or three years into your journey, that has to be exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. And um, you know, we're our ultimate goal, or my ultimate goal, and I, my farm's ultimate goal, and my staff's ultimate goal is one thing: we want to win the Kentucky Derby one day. So I don't know. There's very few people that do it. But it is a goal of ours, and um, this is um, a horse that we believe that has a shot. I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, they go along this career. Some of them, at, you know, are better at two and three. Some of them get better as they go. So, from all indications, we feel like this horse has a real shot, maybe to be in the Kentucky Derby. So that's our ultimate goal, but it's a, it's a process. Terry, congratulations! So interesting. I, I love when someone's. I, I, you know, people like you who are entrepreneurial, whether it was the real estate development business or whether it was the casino business and as a restaurant tour, all the stuff that you've been involved in, it, the cutting horse business and now the thoroughbred, thoroughbred business, you don't know how to go about something halfway, do you? <laughs> no, I, I haven't been too good at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, it's been a hell of a journey. Hey, so real quick, tell me, and I don't, uh, Kyle, you can get, hold a finger, let me know how much time we have left. But if you were to walk outside there, is it as pretty this time of year? Oh, it's beautiful. 
beautiful. And um, we've gotten the rains at the right time. And the grass up here is what's so important. You know, they say this is a limestone-based area, and it's one of the few places in the world where it's called the Kentucky bluegrass that grows and everything. And, it, and it's so good for these horses, especially when um, they're growing the most important part of their lives. And um, they're on this grass, and a lot of people contribute that to why um, all these farms are here. But, yeah, it's it's a beautiful area. People that come up here, they just like, wow, I never dreamed it was so pretty. And one thing about this place is is that I've gone to a lot of these farms, and you go to this one farm, and you'll say, oh, my God, this is the most, yeah, this is this is it. This is the most beautiful farm up here. A week or two later, you get invited to another farm. You go to that one, you go, oh, my gosh, this is the most beautiful farm. So, to me, it looks like a couple of hundred golf courses up here in the top. Yeah. Beautiful place. Well, it's a serious business, man. It's a serious business that you're in up there. And uh, if how many horses do you have currently? Uh, we have somewhere around 30 horses. That's counting um, race horses. I have about seven or eight on the track. Um, then I have my brood mares and I have my babies. And um, so we have, we're getting ready. You know, the big sell, the biggest sell um, for thoroughbreds is coming up at Kingland, which is held every year. And we're getting ready for the sell. They're getting all our, our um, yearlings all dialed up and ready to go to the sale. So we're, that starts on the 13th. And our first yeah. goal is to try to win the hopeful. And the next goal is try to sell a bunch of babies for some decent money. I, you know what's in, I, and again we're coming to the end of this time together but um, I, I know that if you raise cattle you got to be with them all the time you got to pay attention to them you got to listen to them you got to watch them you got to be there you got to be in touch with them horses are the same way I'm assuming oh very much so I mean even from the cutting horses to the thoroughbreds it's daylight and dark because I was so used to you know my quarter horses they pretty much had their um, they fold out in the pastures and everything up here I mean it's like a it's like a, you're going to the hospital. I mean, the stalls are custom designed. Uh, everything's ready to go when these things are born. So it's a it's a, it's a difference. Well, Terry Green, it's been a it's been a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Congratulations on your success. Look forward to hearing how this weekend goes. Now, Gulfport winning means a lot more than just winning that one race. It could have it could have a domino effect to your business that's beyond imagination. So good luck to you, my friend. Thanks, Ricky. I appreciate it. Always good to talk to you. You bet, man. This has been Terry Green. We'll see you after this break. Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.